Episode 189 of the Biv and James Iowa Show, how to manage the good and bad side of yourself. Radio team, welcome along to episode 189 of the Bevan James. I'll show you a fortnightly podcast on the behaviors that create a lifetime love of fitness so you can get all the benefits that come alongside it. Gotta say, uh, gotta say thank you so much for all the amazing feedback I've had on my last two episodes. Um, Brad Moore and Andrew Huberman have both been uh, just great interviews, weren't they? You know, I've had so much feedback from so many of you guys. Uh, you know, through email, on my Facebook, on my Instagram, uh, just saying, you know, just really valuable. And I, uh, yeah, just thanks. And I really try to get good content for you guys, so it's always good to have people like that in the show. Today's show is a Bevan show, so if you are a little bit newer to what I do, is I kind of try to get an interview one show, and then I do like a Bevan show, and that's where I dig deep into a subject that's been on my mind a bit recently. And today I'm going to be digging into a subject which kind of actually is based on one of the earliest episodes I did of the Bevan James Isles show, but it's kind of the evolution of that episode. It was a very popular episode and actually became a chapter in my book, so we can dig in deep into that. But before we get into that, I want to talk about uh, something that's been a big influence in my thinking in the last period of time. Where am I going with this? Where I, where, big influence in my thinking. Well, not even a big influence in my thinking. What I'm saying here is it's been... I play music, and if you've listened to the show for a long time, you know I play piano, and you've probably heard me say this in the past, so I, the reason I want to play piano is because I want to be creative, and I want to perform, those are the two reasons I started playing piano, because in my career, I, my job as a fitness instructor, I stand in front of people every day, and I perform a job which I get to be creative in, and I love it. But I also live in a fitness world where that's a young man's game, so I kind of knew deep down inside myself about 10 years ago that... There's only so much time in this game when I'm going to be doing that kind of stand in front of people thing, and I love it, and I love being creative. So I started playing music as an idea of, you know, eventually as the fitness thing fades, I'll start to go towards being more of a musician, performing and creating. Now, I've played piano for about 10 years of my life, and I haven't really ever performed. I think I've probably done about four open mics <laughs> uh, with my band over that time, and I've written a couple of songs. And recently I just woke up, and I just thought to myself, you say you want to be this thing, but you're not being it. You know, you're not being a creator, and you're not being a performer. And why is that? Because I, it's not that I'm not the person who lacks discipline around putting the effort in. Like, in the last 10 years of playing the piano... I have practiced five to four to five times a week for anywhere from an hour, 30 minutes to 90 minutes in those sessions. So I have put the yards in, but my focus has always been a bit distracted. It's been a bit distracted by certain types of learnings or trying to learn certain types of songs, but I've never really put the focus on to the thing that I ultimately say that I want to do. Like ultimately, I want to be able to perform and create. And so while I've said that, if you looked at my actions, the evidence of my actions say, well, you mustn't want to do that because you're not doing it in the way you're playing the piano. Now, 
partly that's probably because deep down I always felt I needed to be a bit of skill based before I could be a performer or a creative person. So that's partly the reason why. But I think ultimately, and especially what I'm going to share with you in the next moment, ultimately what I've learned is because I've I get myself distracted. I get distracted by things that aren't so important. So I might buy a book that's about learning a skill around piano. It might be a grade book. It might be a skills book, like a, a, a scales book or an APGO book or something like that. And suddenly for the next month, that's all I spend my time on. And then I just find a song that I really want to learn. It might be a popular song. Like recently at the beginning of this year, I learned Bohemian Rhapsody by Queen. And uh, so, you know, to learn Bohemian Rhapsody for someone of my ability takes a few months. So I became obsessed with that song. And then I think, oh, no, I want to learn songwriting. So then I'd go, oh, you know, I need to learn some how to put chords together and how to use different rhythms in my songwriting. And then I think, oh, no, I need to do my grades. And so this whole experience for me as a musician has been kind of moments of focus without the overall focus of the thing that I hope to achieve, which was it, again, to perform and create. And so recently, and, and, and actually as I think about, as I'm kind of talking to you guys here, as I think about in this time, I have had a couple moments where I've performed and created. So I did start a band with a couple guys about, well actually about six years ago, and off and on we've had a couple moments where it's got together, wrote a couple songs, half-heartedly got into it and didn't really go anywhere with it. Now, I woke up a few a couple months ago and I thought to myself, Oz, you say you want to perform and you say you want to be creative, but you're not doing it. And as, I, as, as I've just mentioned to you there and I kind of broke down why it's happened, I thought to myself, I need to change. I need to be singularly focused. I need to be singularly focused with my music. And what did that do to me? Well, well, what it basically said to myself is, any time I'm spending on music right now, it basically has two, two focuses. Three focuses, really. Being creative. No, actually, the first focus is my band. Because the only opportunity I'm going to get in my life to be creative and to perform is with my band. Uh, I've got I've got musicians who have better ability than me, who who enjoy playing music with me. So I have I have this opportunity there. That's the best chance of me being a performer and a creator. There are other other avenues, but right now it's the best chance. So I contacted Dave, the guy in the band. Me and Dave are kind of the base of the band, uh, and we had this, and we'd written some songs together, and we kind of half heartedly jammed over the years. And I said to him, kind of in lockdown, I said, mate. Let's get. He sent me a song. He said, "Hey, I'd love you to do some piano stuff for this." So I did some piano stuff for it, and I said, "Look." I went back to him and said, "Mate, let's do this and let's do it properly. We are going to focus on trying to be a band. And what does that mean? We're going to have an album produced. We're going to start performing live. We're going to actually try make something of it. And music. I know it's a pipe dream world. I get it. Who knows what that means? But we're going to put our hand up and we're going to try. And as soon as I made that decision, a switch happened to me. And it was like, all I'm going to do from here forward with the time that I give myself, I said to you earlier, I, I spend you know, four to five sessions a week, anywhere from 30 to 90 minutes and different focuses over the last 10 years. Well, once I made that decision with Dave, I was like, I'm going 100% with this. And I'm not going to spend any time on anything else now, moving forward. I'm going to be one-dimensional about being in a band where I get to perform and create 
with the people in my band. Now, it's been really fascinating watching the version of me. Now, I did this probably 10 weeks ago, maybe maybe 10, 8 weeks ago, two months ago, let's say two months ago. So in the last two months, man, it's gone crazy. I, Dave and I, I'd say Dave, because Dave was like, we could probably do it with a drum machine. I was like, mate, let's just get a drummer. Dave, Dave's great. He's he's got he went and found us a drummer. Um, we've got twelve songs, maybe thirteen songs that we're getting ready to record. We've organised someone to record the songs with us, so we've got an engineer who we can start recording the song. We're aiming to have the songs recorded by August, the end of August, and then to get them mastered, this kind of process to get songs to done. We've started to think of a marketing strategy to actually start to build a fan base and you know all this kind of stuff behind us. But every time I sit down and I give myself that time in the day, I'm that's all I'm doing. It's banned. This week, this Wednesday coming up, we're doing an open mic with three of our songs. I'm performing. Uh, I'm practicing. Every time when I practice, I'm practicing performing. Uh, I am now, once I've decided to go one-dimensional on the thing that I want to do, this thing that I spent so much time on in the last period of my life, but actually hadn't had many results on the thing that I say I want, now that I've gone one-dimensional, the progress is massive. Like in the last two months... I've created more. I haven't performed more yet, but I've played with band more. So I've played with other musicians and kind of acquired that improved my skill of just playing with other musicians. But I'm going to be performing this week. And we'll be doing open mics every few weeks over the next period of time. And, and we're talking about trying to be an open band for some of the bands in the local area as we head into the summer season. So I'm creating this pathway of me performing. What's really interesting is if you look at me in my life and you said, does Bevan put effort into piano? The answer is yes, I put effort into piano and my music. But I wasn't putting the effort into the area that I ultimately desired with piano and music. I wasn't putting effort into creating and performing. In this last moment in my life, I've gone one dimensional. It's like I'm going to give myself, let's say five hours a week, six hours a week. This six hours a week, all I'm going to think about is how do I create with my band, how do I perform with my band, how do I improve and get my band somewhere. And the momentum I've had in two months and the area that I say is important to me in my life has been absolutely huge. And why do I want to share this with you? Because I, I think that this example in my life is an example that many of us have. Is that we want to achieve something and we may even put effort into that area in our life, but we just get distracted. We just put our focus off into too many areas or into the wrong area. And we don't actually end up ever achieving what we really desire. And this example, and I'm only two months into this, so, you know, it would be interesting to listen to the show a year from now. It would be interesting to see where this is. Like, in my dream world, in a year from now, we have a band who has a fan base who we are building something with. You know, that's, that's my ultimate, because then I'll be performing more. Who knows, maybe we can make a little bit of money from music and then, you know, can go further and further down that path. Being one-dimensional in this area of my life has been significant. And in a very short period of time, I've achieved more in the two areas I say that are important to me than what I did in 10 years of effort. And the 10 years of effort have never helped me achieve what I desired because I wasn't one-dimensional. Ultimately, I was unfocused on the wrong things. And it wasn't that I wasn't focused. I get it. There were times I learned songs and I focused. 
But I wasn't really focusing on the thing I desire, the thing I say I desire. And as I talk about this, what about you? Like you might have areas of your life where you say, you know, I want to, I want to improve. Let's, let's use health and fitness. You may say to yourself, well, I want to lose some weight. And so I get out and I do some exercise. But are you doing the, the type of exercise in a way that's going to help you lose weight? Are you making dietary choices that are one-dimensional around you making you lose weight? Weight's a really good example because there's so many fad options with weight. So people get distracted because they're trying to find, you know, this, this, and that strategy. And, they, you know, there's that movie, uh, Is It Up?, where the dog's just kind of instantly attracted to whatever is kind of the next thing in front of it. And in many ways, and, and hey, I'm, I'm, you're not alone here. Listen to my story from this today. In many ways, our unfocusedness never helps us achieve what we want to achieve. And to be singularly focused. Because the thing about me as a musician, and I'm not saying this from an insecure place, I'm not a great musician. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. And, and this isn't me going, oh, I need, please say I'm a good musician. I'm not. I'm like a grade three, grade four pianist. A great, like my mate Sean the Porno, he is a grade nine, he's a great musician. He can listen to a song, he can play, he understands styles. I just love it when I watch him because he can just jump on. He's, he's a great musician. I'm not. I'm a grade four musician. I'm never going to be pulling off Led Zeppelin in the songs that I write. But you don't need to. While we're not Led Zeppelin, some of the songs my bands are producing, I'm, I'm kind of proud of. Actually, I'm really proud of. I think we've got some songs that are kind of cool, and I think some, you know, for our market that we're going to go for, I think they'll like some of our songs, you know. And that's only happening because I'm being one-dimensional. So I, I, I could end up just going on and on here. But I want you to think about yourself. In the areas of your life where you want to achieve things, are you being a bit like I've been with music? Are you saying you want to achieve something, but you're kind of just going from one thing to the next? Like, do you want to be a good runner, but then you start doing some some CrossFit for a while? But actually, just you've got to focus on being a great runner. Or in your career, do you say you want something, but then you get distracted by certain things? Or like me in your hobbies, you say you want to be a performer and a creator, but yeah, don't actually end up creating or performing. When you put one dimension in your mind, it, it just filters away all the other stuff. And that's what I've found. And since I've had this one dimension, I'm, I'm, I'm creating I'm performing and I'm making it, I'm working in a band, which I hope we can do some really cool work that can build a fan base. So I just wanted to share that with you because it's kind of been a, a revelation for me in this last moment in my life. And I'm someone who, who is pretty good with my focus and can achieve, you know, I'm pretty good at achieving things, but this, this, I know it's been pretty powerful. So check, check, think about it. Uh, okay, if you want to be a patron of the show, if you want to support what I do on the show, the best thing you can do is donate a little bit of your hard-earned money my way. It's as simple as that. And if you want to become a patron, basically you go to bevanjamesisles.com and on the front page, or you go to the podcast section, uh, you'll see support me. Go on there, click on support me, and you basically every time I release a show, Go through the process, and you can donate as little or as much as you want to. And what will happen from there is, um, I will just, you know, be able to support the show. But also, I'll give you a cool nickname. And these people are um, patrons of the show. And we've got Denise Dana, and she's Ab Fab. We've got Nathan the Hurricane. Nathan, I don't know your last name. We've got Mary Jane the Magic Mariko. We've got Katrina the Architect. We've got Kirk, um, Kim Anderson Hadley, Surging Further, and then we've got Lana Kingy. Queen of Change. These are all patrons of the show. And I want to say a big thank you to all of the patrons of the show. Okay, guys, we're going to do the main gist of the show. Here we go. Check, check, check it out. 
One thing I've been doing recently is doing some video posts on Instagram and uh, Facebook. And it's a bit different to this because this is kind of a long form podcasting. The thing I love about podcasting is this kind of long form conversation we have. Uh, and it's, it's, it's really changed content, really, podcasting. Because when we think about content in the old days, it was seven minute segments, wasn't it? You might watch a, a 2020 or you might watch an interview, but they're short form. Uh, and even if they were a little bit longer, let's say it was a longer interview, and let's be honest, how often do they have long hour interviews on TV shows back in the day, or even on the radio, they were always interrupted all the time by ads. And whereas nowadays with podcasts, we're just seeing this these long form interviews and so uh, or long form kind of content. Uh, and I love it because I think there's just a deeper learning or a deeper thinking that comes alongside that. But at the same time, there is also a place for the short-form stuff. And it's been funny because I've got a great audience for podcasting. I've got a massive audience. It's huge. It's in like 90 countries. It's, you know, you guys are awesome. I love the support the show gets. Uh, and I've never really worried about any other t- finding any other type of audience. But recently I just thought to myself, Do you know what? I'm going to just start creating some video content on like an Instagram uh, on Facebook, I probably will end up putting on YouTube, uh, not at this stage, but probably will eventually, and uh, it's, it's really cool, because it's a different kind of skill, you know, you've, I try to keep it under five, around five, six minutes, uh, and it's just a short message with a bit of a story with some kind of learning in it, that's kind of how it works, and it's been interesting, because it's been opening me up to People, more people coming onto the podcast because people are enjoying these and I've been getting emails from people saying, hey, I, I watched your thing on Instagram and I've jumped onto your podcast. I actually had a really lovely email this morning. Actually, I'm going to pull up right now because it's pretty cool. An email from a man called, uh, what's his name? I'm going to say his name is Scott Fleming. And he was just saying he found his mojo, he lost his mojo and he's just found a podcast through Instagram, one of my Instagram videos and he's, you know, got onto this podcast and he's really enjoying it. Now, why am I telling you this? Well, early on in my podcast, I had a podcast that was very popular. And when I wrote my book, my first book, um, well, it's still my first book. I'm currently writing my second book. But when I wrote my book, one of the chapters, I basically wrote the book based around the, the podcast up to that time. And one of the first chapters in the book is the one about black and white rules. And the black and white rules podcast was... A very powerful podcast, and when I wrote it in my book, it's interesting, when I, when people read my book, they'll often, you know which chapters have really had an effect on them, and different chapters had different meanings, but I've got to be honest, the one that tend, I tend to hear the most about is the Black and White Rules podcast, or chapter, and what is the Black and White Rules chapter, so... If you didn't listen to this podcast, it was like episode four of, the back in those days, the Fitness Behaviour podcast, um, the Black and White Rules podcast was this. I tell a story in this podcast about how I don't do fast food. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't do fast food. And then at this time of this podcast, I was traveling a lot internationally. And suddenly when I was traveling a lot internationally, what was happening was one time, because the conflict for me was I'm a tight ass. <laughs> fundamentally a tight ass. And so I had this conflict, conflict when I'd go to an airport because when I go to an airport, Food's so expensive at an airport. You know, if you want, especially if you want to eat healthy, you can. And if you're overseas and it's in a different currency, you can end up spending paying like forty dollars in New Zealand for just a pretty average meal if it's healthy. And so I had this conflict of the cheap me versus the healthy me because you could go to Burger King or a KFC or something like that in an airport and drop fifteen dollars New Zealand in comparison to like a forty dollars New Zealand. And so 
It was like, what do you do? What do you do? Do you choose the healthy option that costs you twice as much? Or do you choose the cheap option? And you know what? Let's be honest. I'm a pretty healthy guy. I don't eat fast food normally. What's so bad about this? And so what happened at this time in my life was suddenly when I was going to airports, I was choosing fast food. And we know the story of fast food, but when you get fast food, you think, well, bugger, I'm doing it anyway, so I'll go OTT on fast food. And what ended up happening was suddenly when I got home, the idea of having Burger King or KFC or whatever fast food it was started to appear in my head in my everyday life. Now, again, up until this moment in time, I think that the recording of that podcast, I hadn't had any fast food in like 10 years. Like I hadn't bought any McDonald's, any KFC, any Burger King or anything like that. But then the airport experience started to happen. And then I started to find that the idea of having those fast foods outside of the airport started to creep into my head. And that's when the idea of black and white rules come into play. Because what do black and white rules say? Well, they say that basically, I don't do something. So I know I'm doing a recap of this podcast, but it's kind of leading into something else. So for example, I don't drink alcohol. Like I seriously don't. I don't drink alcohol. I haven't drunk alcohol in, I gave up when I was 21. I'm now nearly 43. Uh, I have two occasions in these 20 years, and that was kind of just random moments, but it's long stories around them. But basically, I haven't drunk alcohol in over 22 years. Now, for that reason, I never think about drinking alcohol. And in the Black and White Rules podcast, I talked about how when you have an option in your head, you have a lawyer in your head. So for example, if you drink alcohol, but you're trying to drink a little bit less lately, there's going to be a lawyer in your head. So you might go out on the weekend with your friends and you think to yourself, well, you know what, I'm not meant to be drinking this weekend, but then the lawyer in the head pops out of nowhere and they say, well, just Saturday night's not going to be that bad. And so the lawyer's in your head job is to get you to do the bad behavior, to negotiate against the thing that you're trying to do. And when you have a slight open door, the lawyer will appear. For me, fast food, when I went to eating fast food and when I was traveling, became a lawyer in my head. And it started to sneak into other parts of my life. It started to open that door so that when I was in my home life, suddenly when I rode past KFC on my bike, I'd be oh, maybe you can have some KFC tonight. Now, with alcohol, because I gave up alcohol, the lawyer in my head doesn't exist. I never think to myself, oh, baby, you should have a drink tonight. I just never do, because I don't drink alcohol. And so the whole idea of the black and white rules are, in some areas of your life, maybe you're better to remove the lawyer. And the idea of the black and white rules kind of works like this. You want to use it in areas where you know you just have no control and it has a big damage on your life. So if you met the alcohol version of myself, I just wasn't a very good person. I lacked ethics, I lacked morals, I was basically disrespected by my peer group um there was just this downward spiral i wasn't healthy i was a sleaze you know the, the alcohol version of me was just a really bad version of me and also i had no control so if i was going to drink i was 110 like my nickname and this is no joke i often woke up with no eyebrows because people would shave them off because my nickname was sleepy because often i'd be let's say we started drinking with our friends at five o'clock at night i'd be blottoed by 6.30 and that's not a joke and my nickname was Sleepy for that reason so I just drinking wasn't for me 
I just can't drink. There's, there's no version of me where there's a little bit of drinking that's healthy. So for me, in that area of my life, I had to go black and white. Some areas of my life, maybe not so much. And that's what we're going to dig into right now. So the first thing is I just wanted to do a recap on black and white rules. Because if you haven't listened to the early podcast or you haven't read my book, and you can go back and listen to this episode four of this uh, podcast or get my book. It's on my website. You can get the Kindle version if you want to if you're overseas or you can get it shipped to you in New Zealand. But um, in the book, it's, it goes into a bit more detail. So that's the first version. The version of you in areas of your life where you just you know you have something that's not good for you. But recently I've had a couple of sessions with a couple of clients which have made me really think about the evolution of the black and white rules. So there's going to, going to be three categories we're going to work around today. So the first is just black and white. And I want you to identify in your life, what is your alcohol? That might be alcohol, it might not have to be alcohol, but that thing in your life that you know you have an un have a lack of an ability to be able to control yourself in this life. And because you have a lack of ability, it actually is a behavior that's also damaging to your life. So again, me with alcohol, it was lack of morals, lack of ethics, sleaze, uh, lack of respect, and unhealthy for me. That was just, listen to that list. It is not good for me in my life. So it was just better for me not to have that in my life. Then we have a couple areas that I want to kind of add to this here. So the first area is an area where I'm gonna I'm gonna go to the third step and then to the second step here. So the, the, the third step is areas of your life where you actually have a good level, but you feel guilty. And what do I mean by this? Okay, so I was doing a session with a client a couple of weeks ago. It was a good session, and one thing we did is we kind of, we were talking about how they felt disappointed in themselves, or whether they felt guilty about themselves in their life, and and one of the areas that they felt a little bit of guilt around was commitment to those people who are important in their life, and I think a lot of us can be concerned with this nowadays, because we're so kind of time poor, and, and sometimes even just our ambition means that we don't put the time and effort to the people who are meant to be important in our life. It might be your close family. It might be, you know, your not even just your immediate family, but family members. It might be friends. It might be, you know, mentors and so on and so on. And so you have this guilt around the thing that you know you should be doing with that person. It might be that you know you should ring your mate, but you never get around to doing it. Or it might be they text you and you don't get back in time. Or it might be that you know your kids aren't getting a very good version of yourself. And when I started working with my client, I was just talking with them and I was saying, what are the areas where you kind of feel guilty about that you're not doing well enough in your life? And my client came back with that as one of the areas that they were not doing so well and they felt kind of guilty in, in their life. And so we kind of went away, and, and I kind of gave him some homework, and I, the homework was pretty basic, it was just go away and give yourself a score out of 10 of why you're not doing well in this, you know, how you're doing in this area, and why you haven't, why you give yourself this score. So let's say we would do the friendship one. With your friendship, a 10 out of 10 is you're just always there, you feel you're committed to a relationship, you're, you're building a relationship where you feel you're giving to that relationship in a great way that deepens that relationship. A 1 out of 10 is you just totally neglect that relationship and it's actually damaging the relationship. And then there's the scale of ability that sits along that scale. And so I went away and I was expecting this person to come back to me and say to me, oh, you know what, Bev, I'm probably like a four. You know, I sometimes commit, but I don't commit enough and so on and so on. The person came back to me and they said to me, Bev, do you know what's really interesting? 
I'm actually doing really well as a friend. I'm actually really happy with how I'm doing as a friend. Like I, I'm probably like a nine out of ten. You know, there's some some improvement in this area of my life, but fundamentally, I'm quite happy with the level of commitment I make to my friends. I feel that when I'm with them, I'm quite present, so I'm not distracted. I can be and have these cool experiences with them. I feel I'm getting enough of them within the life that I have. This person has a business, they have a family, so I feel like I'm contributing enough, being realistic around what I'm sitting in. So. Interestingly, this person had a disconnect between the experience that they had and how they felt about the experience. This person was a 9 out of 10, actually a good friend when you looked at the evidence, but they felt guilty because they weren't good enough. And this is a really important thing to think about because I think a lot of people actually feel guilty in areas where they're doing fine. And I'll give you another example of my wife, Jo. Jo, Jo... I'm not a drinker, but Joe drinks, but she's a very healthy drinker. So Joe will, like, we've been together. Jeez, we've been together. We, we started seeing each other in 2008, I think it was, 2009, something like that. So we've been together like 11, 12 years. I've seen Joe drunk, like, drunk a handful of times. And saying that, Joe likes a glass of wine when she's cooking. She loves, she's a great cook, and it's a really great way for Aunt her to unwind at the end of the day. So she'll get in the kitchen, and oh no, I'm such a lucky man, because my meals every night are just beautiful. And she's she, she, she's a creative, she's, oh, I'm just so lucky. Um, but it's a part of Joe's relaxing at the end of the day, is to grab a glass of wine and have wine with it. So she'll, in that time where she's unwinding and cooking and being creative and just, you know, de-stressing for the day, she likes to have a glass of wine. Now, Joe's has a healthy level of drinking. She's her, her physical conditions. She's in great nick. She's mentally in a really healthy place. She's not drinking as a way to escape a bad thing. It's purely just a way to you know a nice habit she has around relaxing. And it's kind of only ever a glass of wine, maybe a little bit more than occasionally. It never turns into a, a bottle of wine or two bottles of wine. She has a really healthy drinking habit. But Joe sometimes feels a bit guilty about this. Now, when I was working with my client and when we look at Joe, the real problem is the guilt. The real problem is the guilt. Because when we look at Joe's drinking behavior, it's a healthy level of drinking. Glass of wine night ain't, ain't a bad thing. For my client, he gave himself a 9 out of 10. If you look at the evidence of the area of his life, he was actually doing well. But he was feeling guilty quite often because he was setting a standard or he was looking somewhere else for his standards. So when we think of the three scales I'm talking about, so first is the black and white that I identified earlier. The second is, kind of the third, but I'm going to call it the second. The second is, what area of my life am I feeling guilty about but actually I should just feel happy with and remove the guilt from? Because when we think about guilt, and this is what I talked about in my life, my my client, guilt is is a waste of energy, especially in an era of your life where you're doing well. Because if you're feeling guilty, let's say Joe drinks a glass of wine, and then for the next two hours of a night, she feels a bit guilty because she's drinking that glass of wine. Well, what's the cost of that on her mind energy? You know, she probably won't have to enjoy the rest of the night as well. She probably won't have to keep connected with me as well. She probably, you know, won't be able to get the gain of the rest of the night out of her. If we think of my other client, my client, if he feels guilty about not spending time with his friends, when he's working, he probably won't be as focused. When, uh, you know, you just think of that cost of that guilt on your life. And sometimes in our life, we just need to go, you know what? 
I'm doing well in this area. Because if we can accept we're doing well in this area, then we can remove the guilt and put our energy into better things in our life. So for example, if Joe, once she's had her wine and she's just enjoyed um, cooking dinner, then after that, well after that for us, we tend to eat dinner and we tend to watch some TV. Now the purpose of that is probably a little bit of connection with me and for her just to really unrelax before she goes to bed. So she can then put her energy into that. If my client's feeling guilty about not contacting people when he's working, well, he's not going to work as well. But if he can just go, you know what, I'm really good at this, I can put my focus on my work. So, and the second area is, what areas of your life are you actually doing well in, in a level that you're happy with, that you are currently putting guilt upon? That you're currently putting guilt And I get why the guilt's there, because I often think the guilt comes from, I just want to be a better person. Now, that's not a bad thing to want to grow as a person. It's not a bad thing to have ambition to be a better person. But it shouldn't come at you feeling guilty in the areas where you're doing well. Okay? So, one, so the second area is, as you think about this kind of scale I'm taking you through right now, in what area of your life are you doing really well and that you don't need to put guilt upon? So you, if you've listened to the show for a long time, you know I have my five bits of dark chocolate at night. My five bits of dark chocolate are my treat my kind of food treat. I've I have two. I have uh, what do I have? I have two mint slices for lunch and five bits of dark chocolate at night. And then outside of that, during the weekdays, I eat very very healthy. Um, you know, well, most ninety percent of the time, I eat really really healthy. Now, I have no guilt around that. I have no guilt. I eat it. I enjoy it. I, I, I make the most of it. And after the fact, I get on to the next thing in my life. What's your five bits of dark chocolate? What are those things that you're feeling guilty about, which are actually on a level that you're quite well within, you're feeling really good about it, that you don't need to feel guilty about? And once you've identified that, how do you let go of the guilt? How can you sit there and just say to yourself, like for me with the five bits of dark chocolate, I I don't have to feel guilty because I know I have great control. So it's like I can have a treat and enjoy it. My client is, I am a good friend. I'm a good person in other people's lives. So I'm happy with where I sit with this. For my wife Jo to sit there and go, I have a healthy level of drinking where I can enjoy it. Because we want to remove the guilt in this area of your life. So that's the second area. We have the black and white area. Then we have the areas where we're doing well but we have guilt. How do we remove the guilt? And that's just to accept and be happy with the level that you sit within and then to just let go of the guilt. The third area, and this is probably the hardest area of the lot, is where you have something in your life which can go over the edge. Which can go over the edge. But you don't want to go black and white on it. And my my example is, and again, if you listen to the show for a long time, my example is my Coke Zero. My Coke Zero could be alcohol. My Coke Zero could be, you know, I could eat six liters a day. Again, if you listen to this show long show, this is nothing new. Um, I've talked about this a lot over the years. But I don't want to let go of it. I like it if I've got the right level of it. So for me, my kind of rules are Coke Day Friday, I have as much as I want on Friday. And then on Saturday, I kind of drink Coke as well because often it's a social night. And then for the rest of the week, it's kind of no Coke. Now, if I can sit in that place around Coke, I feel... You know, that, that I'm, I'm happy with that. There's no guilt. It's in a good level, you know, and so on. But it's that one thing where at certain times in my life, I can get to a place where suddenly I'm waking up and I'm realizing I haven't cooked 
five days a week and I'm drinking quite a lot of it. And this area here is the area that is the most challenging of the three I'm identifying today. Because like I said with black and white, once you go black and white and once you get rid of that lawyer, you just don't think about it. Like I just don't think about having alcohol. I just don't. When you, the area you're doing well and removing guilt, that's actually pretty easy, isn't it? Because it's just about you going, hey, you know what? I'm doing pretty cool. But in the area where you've got something which you like in your life, but you, 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 you know, it can go, it can go too far, but you don't want to remove it. So let's use alcohol here, because a lot of people, they don't want to go black and white with alcohol. They, there's an enjoyment, there's a level of it that's really good in their life, but they can go on the other side of it sometimes. So what do we need to do here? Well, first of all, I think what we want to first establish is, is what is the right level for me in my life? And I actually think we can use guilt here as an example. So for example, think about the area that I'm talking about with you right now. So what area in your life is the area that you are, could be this way inclined? So again, what area of your life is this area? Um, for me, it is Coke Zero. It might be alcohol for you. It might be certain, it might be chocolate. It might be, I don't know, whatever it is for you. It might be watching on, the, on your phone too much. It might be watching too much TV, whatever it is. What level of, of, of having that thing is would you not feel guilty about? Let's use TV. TV is a pretty good example. Or, or your phone. We all, we, all, we all jump on our phone. You know, not many people don't use their phone. And, and, uh, and many of us can get to that place where our phone wastes our life. So this is a pretty good area to look in. So you might say to yourself, you know what, if I jumped on Facebook for, if I if I looked at the end of the day and I looked at my phone usage and saw that I'd spent 20 minutes on social media or 30 minutes on social media throughout the day, would I feel good about that? You might say to yourself, you know what, that, that's a pretty good, I'm pretty happy with that. If you looked at the end of the day and you saw you spent three hours on social media, you'd probably feel a bit guilty about it. And so what you're really trying to figure out was within your own context of your life, in the area that you're working on, is when does the guilt start to kick in? Watching TV, like Joe and I, we, we watch about 30 minutes of the news a night, and then we watch one show a night. That's a good amount of TV. So I never feel guilty watching TV. I never I never wake up four hours and go, oh my God, I need to go to bed. Uh, if I did watch four hours, I probably would feel guilty. I probably would feel, oh, you're wasting your life. So I think this is a really nice gauge. So in the area that you don't want to go black and white in, but you can have a tendency to go OTT on, where is the guilt point? And that's what you, it's really important to understand where the guilt point is because that's going to be the gauge of what we're going to try to use moving forward in this strategy. So really start to think about yourself. Again, if you think of your social media use on your phone, where is where you can go, you know what, I'm quite, I'm quite happy to spend 30 minutes a day doing social media. Three hours is my guilt point. Or you might say anything over 30 minutes is my guilt point. For me, Coke Zero, my guilt point is once I start drinking outside of Friday and Saturday. Okay, that's my guilt point. You know, once I, you know, I might have a can on a Wednesday night. I know I start to feel guilty then. So find your guilt point by understanding when I've gone too far and it starts to go into guilt. The next thing we need to start thinking about is what strategies and tools will I use in place to get a good understanding of how I stay below my guilt point in this area. Okay. How to stay below, what strategies and tools will I put in place to stay below my guilt point in this area? Now going back to my client who, who this kind of work started with, 
we were talking about um, earlier. I was talking about how uh, they realise they're good at relationships, and actually we're moving guilt. Well, my clients are a bit like me when it comes to the the area that they don't want to go black and white in. They're a bit like me. It's kind of a fizzy drink thing. And one thing we were talking about was we we're trying to figure out what their guilt point was. Uh, but you're saying that he he didn't he wasn't really that good at staying at the guilt point. And ultimately, I came back to him and I said, "Well, the the thing is." You've just got failing strategies and tools. You've got failing strategies and tools. So he might, let's just say he uses a similar strategy to me, that he has two days of the week where he's allowed to have a fizzy drink. I actually, no, I don't think his was like that. I think his was something more along the lines of he would like to have a little bit each day. So he'd much rather, instead of me going, like I have my Friday, I can I can drink five litres of Coke Zero on a Friday. I can. And now, that's a lot. I know it's a bit excessive, but hey, it's Coke Day Friday. I sit with this with my rules. I'm not going to feel guilty about it. But for him, it was a bit more like, I think I'd like to have it every day, but maybe just have a, a, a can or, you know, a 600 mil once a day. That would be a level where I could sit within that would not be a guilt level. Once I got into two cans, three cans, four cans, that's when I'm going to my guilt level. Now, he was saying that at times he's successful at this, but often he isn't. And that's when we're going to start to think about, well, what tools and strategies are you going to use to make that work for you. So I'm going to show you with you my tools and strategies around Coke Zero. So first of all, my first tools and strategy is on the days I'm allowed it, you enjoy the crap out of it. So there's, again, no guilt. It's like my chocolate. On a Friday, uh, I, I love Coke Zero. I love it. Like, don't get me wrong, I love it. So when I have that first Coke Zero, oh, I love it. You know, like I really do. So partly, when you're doing it, enjoy it. And don't put any guilt on it. Just enjoy it. Then secondly, my second strategy is my time frames. So my second strategy is Friday, Saturday. I'm allowed it Friday, Saturday. So from Sunday through to Thursday night, or Friday morning, I'm not allowed to have it. So that's my time frames. So with my client, his, his is so much time frame, his is more a limit frame. So he can have it every day, but he's got to have a limit. He's got to have only one can a day. I can't remember if that was his limit, but let's just say it is. So that's his limit. So what's your time frame and what's your limits around it? Okay, so that's kind of based on your guilt point again. Then from there, so then from there, what strategy is going to make sure you keep within it? So one of my strategies, this is a really good strategy, um, is if I have Coke Zero, outside of a Friday and a Saturday, I have to have a month off Coke Zero. So I'm using a punishment strategy. Punishment strategy is this, that if I have Coke Zero on a, on a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Sunday, I have to have a whole month of Coke Zero. Now, this strategy works for me because, for example, last Thursday night, we went, like, we don't normally go out for dinner on a Thursday night, but last Thursday night it was my mother-in-law's birthday. And so after the gym, I taught a class at the gym, and we went out for drinks, or we went out for dinner at a beautiful restaurant, and Joe said to me, do you want me to order a Coke before I go, before you arrive, because I was arriving a little bit later. I was like, oh, no, no, I'll just get a drink when I get there. Because I knew that if I had a Coke in front of me on Thursday night, my temptation was up. But the thing about it was, the reason I didn't want to do that was because if I have the Coke Zero, I have to have a month of Coke Zero. Now, I'm the kind of person that will stick to that rule. So if I do have a Coke Zero on a Monday night, I'm going to stick to that rule. That means, okay, well, you get a month off. So when you have your strategies and your rules, you've got to be strategies and rules that you know work for you. So that punishment strategy for me works really well. 
Now, when it comes to rules and strategies, the real test of a strategy is, does it work? Okay. So when you think about these areas that you're working on in your life, and you think about, okay, well, in this, this third area of a level of something I like in my life, but I can go too far on it, the real measure is, does my strategy work? Okay, so my measure, those are my three strategies, basically. Enjoy it when you've got it, have a time frame, and then the punishment of a month off is enough for me. Okay. You might need more strategy. You will probably need different strategies. But what you're trying to figure out is what your strategy is. Like, for example, with the phone, what I'm trying to get into right now, because we're all, game, we're all guilty of this, is I'm trying to get the strategy of not having my phone beside my bed at night. Because that just removes the idea of just picking up your phone and playing an iPhone game. So I'm trying to get better at that habit. I haven't nailed it yet, but it's a strategy I'm practicing. Now, again, what you're trying to do is you're trying to develop strategies that keep you under your guilt limit in this area. And then you're trying to practice those strategies to see if they work. If they work, your job is just to be consistent with them. If they don't work, and the evidence is that I go into the guilt level, then you're just trying to tweak and evolve your strategies. When we think about this moving forward, Ultimately, what you're learning is to do is, is to learn to manage your strategies that can keep you at a level, that can keep that thing in your life at the right level. Because if you can get to that place, like again, with me with Coke Zero, it's actually a really cool thing in my life. It's actually something I enjoy in my life at the right level, which doesn't bring guilt and I can make the most of. When we think about the overall kind of message of today's podcast, so again, I'm going to recap. The first area is black and white. Black and white is the area where you know you just can't have something in your life because it's just not good for you. Okay, Just try to remove it. And I think one thing with this is when you remove it, you've got to self-identify you don't have the option. So it's not that... Um, actually, I have a client I work with, a, lo- a lovely man, but he has had alcohol problems. And recently, he'd been doing really well with alcohol, and then recently he kind of had a fallback. And he came and he said to me, the problem was, deep down he thought that eventually one day he'd be able to manage alcohol. He thought that, you know, he'd done, he'd gone like a couple of years without having alcohol. But in his mind, deep down he thought to himself, when I get to a certain point, I'm going to be able to manage this. So, and he'd been doing really well in life overall, so he thought to himself, I'm doing really well in life overall, I can maybe just bring a little bit of drinking back in. And then about a month or so later, he realised he woke up and he'd kind of back a few steps in his life. And he realised at that moment, he just can't have an option. He's got to go all in on black and white. I don't drink. And in the areas you're black and white with, that's the thing. You need to have that identity. I don't drink. I don't do this. I don't do. Because when you don't do something, you just remove the lawyer. Okay, so that's the first thing. You've got to commit to that. So in black and white, areas that damage my life that I just know I have no control over, I've just got to move on. Second area is areas I'm actually doing well in and I feel guilty. Remove the guilt. Just feel good about yourself in this area because the guilt is the real cost. Let your mind space go into things that are more important in your life. And then the third area that's the most challenging area is areas where you can go OTT in a place that takes you to a guilty place. So what we're doing there is we're just identifying where is that guilt level? What's the level that I can have that I'm happy with that doesn't make me feel guilty? then what are the tools and strategies that are going to work for me to stay within that level? Now, I'm going to be honest, you're not going to be a rock star at this straight away. Those tools and strategies are going to things you're going to have to kind of work on. You're going to have strategies around. You're going to have to kind of make that work for you. But the more you can kind of learn and tweak those things, the more you can get to that place where I am with Coke Zero. 
Like my have a month off strategy, and I've got to be honest, that was a strategy because Coke Zero is that thing that at times I was kind of good during, not during the week and at other times I wasn't. And then over Christmas time, because one of my old strategies was on holiday I can drink as much as I want. But I'd get to the end of the Christmas holidays and I'd literally drink like three litres a day. And I, I just thought, oh, you need a break. So at the end of this Christmas time this year, I thought to myself, I'm having a month off. And it's funny, these kind of dry July, you know, these month off things, once you do it, it's kind of easy. And I realised that once I had that discipline, it was like, oh, I can do it, but I don't want to do it. So that's why putting that punishment strategy came into my mind. Now, since the beginning of the year when I've done this, I have not once, outside of my Friday said day, had Coke Zero. So it's a great strategy. It works for me. And that's what you're trying to find in those areas here. Not necessarily my strategy, but you're trying to figure out what strategies are going to work for you. When we think about this three-pronged strategy, imagine if you did really well. Can you imagine your life if you had nailed these three areas? Can you imagine how your life would be better if you had black and white in the areas that damaged your life? Like it'd be better, right, wouldn't it? You know, like for me, once I removed alcohol from my life, I removed my sleaziness, I removed my loss of ethics, I lose my morals, I started to get respect for my people because I grew myself, and I was healthier. I, like, wow, can you imagine how your life would be better if you removed that thing? And then in the areas you're doing really great, like my chocolate, I actually feel good about myself about my chocolate, You're all my, my client with being a good friend. And you can just feel good about it if you remove the guilt. And you can put that energy elsewhere. Where would you put that energy in your life? Like, how cool would that be? And then in the area where it's a bit of a seesaw, if you could find a place where it's below your guilt point and you've got good tools in place where you can manage it really well, how would you, how would you be doing in your life? And that's what we want. We want you to be able to be a person who can have control in the areas you don't need, you get rid of the things you don't need, control in the areas where you enjoy it and you enjoy it to the right level, and then you feel really proud of yourself in the areas where you had guilt but you don't need guilt. Now, I've got to be honest, all these things, three things are going to take you a bit of work, but like always, if you want to change, you've got to love effort. And so if you've got a lot from this podcast, what I want you to do is spend some time thinking about this stuff and actually developing some plans. And I wouldn't say do all three at once. I'd probably say... Go with the easiest one. You might say go with the remove the guilt. Uh, then you might want to go black and white, or you might want to go with the kind of the control in the area where I may go bad. I think there's some really good stuff in here, and I and I like I think it's the evolution of the black and white rules because some areas of your life you don't need to be black and white, but you do need some control around. So hopefully you got something from this. Think of spend some time thinking about it, and as always, hopefully if you do this well, you'll be a better version of yourself. Radio team, so that is this week's episode done and dusted. Hopefully, you got something from that. I think um, it's just a nice approach, and I think you know we, you know, yeah. I've just talked about this for fifty minutes. I don't need to talk anymore about it. So, hopefully, you've got a good approach from this, Uh, guys. I have, as I was saying earlier in the episode, I have spent a bit more time doing some shorter clips, and it's not necessarily stuff I always do on this podcast. I've got a really cool one I'm going to do. Um, now, you won't be listening to this in the future, but I'm going to do one that's really honest about a, a, a real defining moment in my life when I was a young man. Um, I'm going to be releasing that probably maybe tomorrow, which is like the 2nd of July 2020, because I know in the future people 
um, listen to this in the future. Um, you want to go back in my feeds. But if you want to follow me on Instagram, uh, Bevan James Owls, just look at Bevan James Owls on Facebook. I've got two profiles on Facebook. Unfortunately, my personal profile you can't become a friend of. So you can just like, I've got another profile, just look up Bevan James Owls and um, it's more of my, my page, my kind of personality page. I've, I haven't pushed it, I'm starting to push it a bit more recently. Um, yeah, so you can get it there. Uh, also, if you enjoy the show, you can actually get an email to you. So if you go to bevanjamesisles.com, on my website, I think you've got there's a section where you can just put your details in and I email the show each time I release the show. And lastly, if you can, I'm not going to go to some feedback, although um, no, I won't because I'm kind of running out of time. I need to go for a run, guys. I'm going out for some friends for dinner, and I want to go for a bit of a light run beforehand. So. I'm going to get out the door, but if you want to put some feedback, really, I really appreciate the feedback that you guys put on Podcatchers. Uh, it just helps for our shows to get, get out there. And if you enjoy the show, um, spread the word. Just let people know about it. Um, yeah, it's just, you know, if it's helped you. Like, it was lovely. A lovely lady called Pip, who's one of my runners. She was obviously listening to the show, and she was talking about the one about I'm the kind of person. And she was, we're running up the steep hill in Christchurch. She goes, Bevan, I'm the kind of person. I really love the episode. And I was like, oh, well, how cool. So if you enjoy the show, uh, you know, spread the word about it. And also, if you want to become a patron, it's just a way that you can financially help the show. And that is by going to Bevan James Isles, click on podcast, click on support me, put all your details in. You choose how much you donate, and you donate as little as much as you want, and you donate each time I release this episode. So thank you for all the people who do that, and I'll be back in a couple of weeks. I've got an interview lined up for a couple of weeks from now. I'm sure it'll be another great interview for you guys. So keep being you, and rock on. <laughs>